0: Hello, everybody. Before we get started today, I just would like to thank Donna Cash, Sherry, Laura, Christy, Aaron, Karen, and Mia hanging out over on the Patreon, getting early access to all the episodes, checking out the show notes, helping keep this podcast sustainable. That link is in the show notes below if that is interesting to you. If not, hey, all good. We're, we're surviving over here. We're having a good time. We're talking about Bridgerton anyway, and I think that means it's time to hop right into it. Welcome back in, everybody. My name is Bradley, and we are continuing our deep dive into the Bridgerton novel, The Duke and I, today. In this episode, we will be covering chapters seven and eight. As always, with any Bridgerton episode, there will probably be adult content. I've actually never recorded a podcast without the adult content warning, and I'm not sure I ever will. So just do not listen to this podcast in front of children, just in case. I don't know what I'm going to say for the next hour. You don't know either. So maybe it's best if the kids aren't around the speakers for this one. In terms of spoilers, head over to Netflix, watch season one and two of Bridgerton. That's all that's been released as of recording this. It's obviously all I've watched because I'm not a time traveler. So I've not watched past season two of Bridgerton, but I will be talking about the show as necessary. In terms of book spoilers, though, I will not be spoiling anything past chapter seven and eight of this book because I've not read past chapter seven and eight of this book. So again, not a time traveler, hard to spoil things past chapter eight here and you know the drill at this point but you know i gotta say it go and leave those reviews if you're enjoying this podcast make sure to hit up itunes leave that five-star review spotify's got a review system also send me your emails i love to read them let's dive deep pod at gmail.com we got a twitter at let's dive deep where you can tell me things about the podcast or about yourself we also have a facebook group that you can join that's good fun to just hang out and chat in so just just check out the show notes see what interests you maybe nothing interests you and that's okay you know what is gonna interest you though you know what i'm feeling that you're feeling right now chapter seven of the duke and i i would just like to say at the top of this deep dive that i fucking love these two chapters chapter seven and chapter eight what an absolute joy i want to be clear i have cemented my opinion this is not a good novel i've spoken to more people who've read this novel and they have all said i can't believe you're talking into a microphone about this book However, however, these two chapters are absolutely a delight, especially, especially chapter eight, chapter eight, the trip to Greenwich or whatever, longitude, latitude, oh my goodness, absolutely delightful i'm just so happy i'm doing this i hope you're happy i hope the vibes are radiating to you because i genuinely do enjoy doing this i have a lot of people in my real life be like man you know 27 year old dude reading the bridgerton books talking by himself about them not sure if that's the vibe i want i'm telling you these podcasts are a proper vibe chapter seven this will not be my longest deep dive i actually don't have a ton to say about this chapter it's very simple in its premise, yet just hilariously well done for what it is. My if I'm gonna pick a criticism of the chapter, I will say that it's very sitcommy. In a way that I enjoyed. Look, I'm not reading Bridgerton to to you know um to to read the what's the the what's not the Booker Prize? Is it the man Booker Prize? No, 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 what is it? I don't know. One of these book prizes. I'm not reading Bridgerton to read the best piece of fictional writing I've ever read. What I am reading it for is to be entertained and to have a good time, and this chapter absolutely delivered. We pick up, I believe. Right where we left off, I read chapter seven a week ago and then I got sick so I couldn't record. So I haven't read this chapter in a week and I think it picks up right where chapter six ends with Daphne and Simon explaining their super genius, definitely not suspicious plan to Anthony, who I found very relatable in this chapter. I am not an Anthony stan. I do not like spending my time defending Anthony in any way, shape or form. However, this was hilarious. You pick up and you, you, they, they, they actually yada yada over it, I believe, where they're like, Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the plan, which was hilarious writing to me. That like the the best part of this is them explaining it, and they don't even say that. And then it takes 10 seconds, and Anthony goes, y- are you certifiably insane? Like he has like three or four different words to describe how insane they're being. And look, Anthony, just this one time, I'll give you the credit. You're absolutely right. How was this pitch done? I would like to know. You see, Anthony, look. I know we're two really hot people. We are two super attractive people. This guy right here actually just mentioned a chapter or two ago that he was going to lick my toes. And he said it in his head, but he said it. And that's what he thinks. And, you know, we're there in our relationship. That's where we're at. Where I keep remarking how handsome he is. And he wants to, you know, do some freaky stuff. And this is this plan is definitely not going to lead there. Look, Anthony, I swear to you, this plan is ju- it's just a simple plan, just a simple plan to. Um, you know, make sure that I get a lot of suitors. They're all gonna come in. So have you seen this many callers, Anthony? There's so many callers here today. Uh, I know I didn't. I know I didn't marry any of them, but I p- promise you, that's just part of the plan. I'm just playing the field. And look, look at all the mamas and those fucking dumb Featheringtons. They're not bothering Simon anymore. I promise you that this plan is not gonna result in us fucking at any point. That's probably how the pitch went because Anthony's reaction is the correct reaction. Are you certifiably? Ab- Absolutely fucking mad. This is the dumbest plan ever. Anytime two very attractive people are like, hey, hey, look, we got this plan. We're just going to be attractive together, but not intimately. That's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. And Anthony's on his game here. And he gets it. He gets it because Anthony is a little bit reiki. And. Daphne's his sister and I understand at least from that point of view that not only does he have to defend his sister's virtue as a brother It's literally his job as the head of household And we can talk about how fucking dumb that is that it's his job and how terrible that is as a system But within that system that is his job And so he's got it on the he's got double duty here and he's doing in this instance the right thing Anthony responds by having conditions, which is which is very funny. I kind of read this as Anthony. You know how you have to sometimes convince somebody that something is their idea. This is what Anthony's doing. He he hates this plan and rightfully so. This is the dumbest plan ever, and he seems to have no choice but to go along with it. So instead of just admitting defeat and being like, "Fine, yada yada," you two have your plan. He has to, like, if he names the conditions, he has some sort of control over the plan. Like, he's approving it. You know what I mean? So I read this as a as a very interesting kind of character moment for Anthony. I'm not sure if it's meant to be, but I kind of sympathize with him in this regard, where it's like, okay, these two people have both said... You know, the, I, there's nothing I can do to stop this plan. And Mama Bridgerton is all for this relationship. She doesn't know about the plan, but she's done on the relationship. So she's not going to back me. And so I have no choice. I kind of have to go along with it. And he's a Duke and I'm just a Viscount. And a Duke outranks a Viscount. I'm sure that has something to do with it too. So he's the way of like, having control over it is to name conditions. And I can't remember what these conditions are, but I know that one of them, which is hilariously, and you two will not be alone together without a chaperone, which is already a fucking rule. So Anthony, Anthony to seize control of the situation is just naming conditions that are already huge societal taboos. Like it is not, I guess we did have that moment with Burbrook where Daphne and Simon were alone together without a chaperone, but, If you, it doesn't matter because they were already not supposed to be alone without a chaperone. And it works if you don't get caught. So they were already alone. They didn't get caught. So if they are alone again without a chaperone and no one notices, Anthony will never know. So it doesn't matter. He doesn't need to make this rule. But I do like my headcanon is that he's trying to seize control of the situation. His conditions are a way of doing that. And even if the conditions are dumb, like you can't be alone together without a chaperone, which is already a huge societal taboo. It's already a huge expectation of the time of this process of courting and all that. Um, He just doesn't need to make that rule. However, I will say there is a lot of power to societal taboos, right? Like there's no... Oftentimes in life, there's there there are things. um, It's problematic in politics, but you know, quite helpful culturally. Where there's just things that you don't do, right? Even if they're illegal or not illegal, there's just taboos about them, so you don't do them. And it's a self-reinforcing system to not do a thing that this society doesn't want. In this case, it's a a male duke, especially a Reiki duke, um, being alone with a, a maiden, a Bridgerton maiden of all people. Right, that's something society doesn't want and it's very self-reinforcing. In our modern world, um you know, I've been watching a lot of House of the Dragon. I'm not I'm gonna admit that I'm pulling from House of the Dragon here. But uh, incest is a big thing in the Game of Thrones world of the Targaryens. And in real life, in most places, it is actually illegal, I think. I'm not positive on that. But besides that, it's just hugely culturally inappropriate, right? Even if it was legal. If it was legal wherever you are and you went and had some sort of intimate relations with your direct family, like a a parent or a, a, a sibling or whatever, all adults, all consensual, all that stuff, n- no other problem other than it is incestuous, everyone would fucking hate you. Every single person would be like, that's, including myself, like, that's gross, what the hell is going on? That's disgusting, how, you know what I mean? So that is not something that people don't do, regardless of the law, it's just a cultural taboo. And so this is, to me, on that level, where it's hugely culturally inappropriate to everybody but the people doing it. And so the fact that it's a condition here is weird to me and funny. And I'm really just, if you had, you know, if you had old Bradley uh, talks about incest on this podcast on your Let's Dive Deep bingo card, good for you. But to me, they're related in this way is that Anthony doesn't need to make this rule because it's a cultural taboo. In this process, Simon, I think has a really cool moment here for just 1 minute everyone in this chapter is written very sitcomy the anthony is just kind of an angry older brother and then daphne and simon are kind of like the tag team that just have all the quips coming back and forth and they're they're kind of written without flaws to their um what's the word to their presentation I think maybe is the best thing they're written without flaws to their presentation like you know they're all set up Anthony's playing this role these two are playing this role and it, they're just bouncing off each other we had that with Benedict and Colin in a couple chapters back where no matter what was happening um Ben Anthony would say something Benedict would add to it Colin would kind of slam dunk the basketball and then it would restart and they'd have that same um kind of rotation over and over again that's how things are written here which isn't my favorite kind of writing but it is really effective in this chapter but simon kind of breaks that for a second to have this moment where he reflects on how much anthony has grown just into his role from when he last saw him right like they were in college together or whatever and then he went he had problems and he went and was reiki somewhere for a while and in that time anthony assumed this household he assumed the responsibilities of you know getting finding Daphne a husband and all of those things and Simon kind of reflects like yeah yeah my boy Anthony he's angry it sucks that he's angry at me but maybe he should be angry because he's grown he's grown as a person he's grown as a man he's grown into his duties and his responsibility and I thought that was really nice of a, of a real true friend to notice of his friend just how much he's grown Um, since the last time they saw each other, especially because the animosity or or whatever kind of um, annoyance or anger Anthony's throwing around is at Simon. So in that situation, for Simon to be able to kind of pick up on that, I thought was just a really nice sentiment. After Anthony, Simon, and Daphne are done, we are going to the world's greatest dinner. Holy smokes, this was an absolute treat. (laughs) Violet Bridgerton is hosting a dinner and invites the Duke. Anthony... If I recall correctly, it's like, absolutely not. Get this guy. Away from our dinner table. Daphne, I can't remember what that... I'm not going to pretend to remember, just in case I remember incorrectly. Y'all might be reading the book right before you listen to this podcast. Again, I read this a week ago, so um, not on purpose. I usually read and then record right away, so it's fresh, but I was sick. And you know you know how it goes. Real life happens. Um, <laughs> but Violet, I'm positive, was very, very worried about this dinner. And she's doing the classic... Again, Like these people are written in the center like a sitcom. So Violet's very being very sitcom about this, but in a way that makes sense for the time in her role, hosting a duke over for dinner. And she's like, what if the flowers aren't nice enough? What if the food isn't good enough? <gasps> He's coming over and it's not even a formal meal. It's an informal family. Like, fuck, like, What? Like, you have servers and whatever and butlers and all kind cooks and whatever for every meal. Like, what is the... the, Are the dishes different? And, like, what is going on? It doesn't matter. I don't understand the difference between the everyday dinners of the Bridgertons and their super fancy formal dinners for Dukes. Do you not invite Gregory? Does everyone have to dress up nice? I don't actually know what the difference is. But Mama Bridgerton is stressing that this dinner will not be perfect for the Duke. And the Duke arrives and... The the situation is hilarious. If I recall correctly, Violet put Anthony and him on opposite sides of the table so they couldn't be mad at each other. That's super funny. We also get uh, the Duke not knowing the difference between Eloise or Francesca. So he's like, there's so many Bridgertons that he can't even keep track, which is so funny. We get a cool moment from Benedict where he's also like a scowling older brother. To me, this helps reinforce Anthony's character. Like, oh, this is an older... Because Benedict doesn't have the responsibility part of it. He's just an older brother. And he also does a little bit of scowling, which is funny. They've all been told to behave, but there's uh, peas flying around, which is hilarious. Overall, the vibes from this dinner were immaculate. I had such a good time reading it. The Duke seemed to have a good time being there. Mama Bridgerton was super stressed, but I think things mostly went well. And you know what? Things went so well mr duke mr simon duke simon would you like to come to greenwich we're going to greenwich and i heard you like long longitude longitude i don't know how to say it but i heard you like it simon and guess what you're fucking going to greenwich whether you want to or not i insist anthony 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 shut up anthony i don't i know you don't want him to go anthony I know you don't, but I want him to go and I'm your mother. So sit down and he's coming to Greenwich. That's how I imagine it happened at dinner. But we're, we're going to Greenwich, chapter number eight. Chapter eight maybe my favorite chapter so far. Again, having a blast. We start and it turns out, it turns out Simon's a boat guy. In the real world in 2022, we got crazy horse girls. I have met many of them because I live in a place. I live near a place called Cloverdale kind of it's in between if you google maps it i'm closer to vancouver but in between abbotsford and vancouver there's a place called cloverdale and it's kind of it's where i went to high school it's kind of where i grew up but i went to school out of catchment so it was a little bit weird but i i live close ish to cloverdale and in cloverdale as you can tell by the name there's a lot of horsey stuff if you google stampede and tack Cloverdale British Columbia Canada you'll get the horsiness of the situation there's also quite a few farms there's a potato farm that makes really good yummy chips and you know crisps and that kind of thing um so we have crazy horse ladies and I've met some of them just based on Cloverdale however Simon crazy boat guy I think this is cool for Simon that he's into boats of all things. Also, kind of meshes with his kind of facade, or even his true kind of rakiness. He's taking ships around, going from port to port. You know, having relations with all the different ladies in each area. Right? Like I like that for Simon. He's a he's a boat guy. He's a traveler. He's a he's a seafarer. He, to me, that's a fun little bit of his. Character that they are developing here. He asked Daphne, I believe, how much she knows about navigation and longitude, which is like fucking ace flirting. Well done, Simon. You know what the lady, you know, I that's actually uh my Tinder bio is hey, how much do you know about navigation and longitude? And to my surprise, I get all the matches. Everyone swipes right on that. They love navigation and longitude. Wait till I tell them about latitude. Things are gonna get real hot and heavy after I bring latitude into the mix. Simon likes uh, Greenwich because apparently there's an observatory there which is where they measure something Greenwich median standard something I can't remember exactly what it is they still use it I know I know what it is I just don't know how to explain it or what it's called but they still use it to kind of measure longitude and latitude it, today in 2022 it's all Greenwich mean time or something so it's all based on Greenwich in this freaking observatory in real life in this time too Not just in 1759 or wherever, 1814, I can't remember what year we're in, doesn't matter. Um, Daph is actually quite acute about this. She kind of realizes that it would have been really hard for all the countries to base longitude on their own area and have it all line up with what everyone else is doing. So she's kind of realizing this as things are going on. She's very smart, very clever, uh, very acute. Um, For some reason here, I can't remember why, but Simon is a little bit grumpy and Daphne gets the line... Simon was sweet when he was grumpy. Oh, like here, here, there's just these lines where you're just expecting like, okay, they're going to fuck right now. Like, I don't know why, like, obviously they're not going to get down and dirty, like in the middle of this observatory, but you just expect it. Like there's just some kind of flirty line or some kind of prompt where you're like, oh, I get it. Like it's happened 20 times where she, what what Julia Quinn is trying to do is so when these guys hook up later, there's all this groundwork. Where they've been had all these moments where both Simon, you know, Simon wants to lick her toes and Daphne thinks he's sweet when he's grumpy. And you just get all of these moments where you you know how they truly feel. But this is like the 97th moment for for both of them. And so it's like, oh, you're just expecting that this will be the moment where they realize it and they come together and they embrace and it's magical. But no, no such thing quite yet. Uh, we do get that line though. Simon was sweet when he was grumpy. Shout out. Do you, I'm trying to think if I know anybody who is sweet when they're grumpy or their grumpiness makes them like, Hmm, I'm trying to think I've, I definitely know people who are fun when they're grumpy. Like there's just a fun aspect to their grumpiness. I don't know if I've ever had some, I would get sweeter with grumpiness. I'm not sure. Maybe I have to think about this. Maybe on the podcast is a bad time to think about this. Maybe next time I'll think about it before I record. But I am interested. Is there someone you know in your life that is sweet when they're grumpy? Interesting. On this boat ride over to Greenwich, we have a whole Bridgerton gang. This is another fun aspect of this chapter is that all the Bridgertons are here and Mama Bridgerton has to kind of corral them and keep them moving along and you know, get them to the right place. Even though like, half of them are adults, one of them's the head of the whole household. So there's not, there's not that many younger children she's got to keep track of, but everyone's all over the place and there's a Duke involved and it's crazy. And I just love that aspect of the chapter. It's like whenever things are getting boring, you just have Gregory and Hyacinth running around causing a ruckus and that's very funny this boat ride has Simon winding Anthony up which is awesome I just like this relationship again sitcom me but Simon just keeps fucking you know just taking a, a rather dull knife but still poking Anthony with it and then Anthony <laughs> Anthony has these moments there's a line and I swear this is real as your eldest brother I believe it is my honor to escort you ashore. Like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, what is going on? These, this, these people in this system is completely fucked up. But I think it's so funny that he's so wound up about this whole pretend, pretend in quotation marks situation. That he's like, I'm not even going to let him touch you when we go ashore no arm linking no hand holding no pat on the back no arm on the shoulder no using his arm as a prop to i as your older brother reserve the right reserve the right to be your escort ashore from this vessel to the greenwich observatory i love that for anthony that that is his he's head of the household so he's got that right it's like those old ads like would you pirate a car would you just whatever like no but i would i, I got pirate your dvd like shut up but whatever um would you pirate a car would you dare have the duke escort you ashore when you've got me anthony it is my honor to escort you ashore i just love this whole aspect of this chapter it's just this like this weird system of honor and relationship and just how fed up he is with simon and everything that's going on oh loved it so much on the way up to the observatory, there's so many fun little interactions. I can't note all of them. Maybe maybe that is... I just don't want this podcast to be 900 hours, but there's so many fun interactions that are happening here. Anthony escorts Daphne ashore, but then Mama Bridgerton <laughs> makes him escort her inside. So Daphne gets to go up to the Duke and be like, well, you see, I don't have an escort so if you could take my arm and escort me in i would love that well having thoughts like internally like oh i know he won't marry me and i know that we'll never be together but boy if he isn't attractive so that's what daphne's brain is doing that's where the cogs are spinning here uh but you know it's very very funny colin is in the mix here colin is like hey i'm gonna escort hyacinth because if i have to escort eloise i'm gonna swim back to london which was just fucking hilarious you know there's just so many fun interactions And this is, look, I want to, I know I keep talking about this book as a comparison to people's expectations. I think it's an important part of a deep dive. I always want to be honest with my deep dives. I will always make them fun and entertaining. I don't want to do negative podcasts. It's such a fucking waste of time to do and for you to listen to. So if I'm podcasting about it, I'll always try and be positive about it. However, I feel like when people told me that this book was bad, they were holding it up to a pedestal that it's never meant to be on. This is not... This is so good. This chapter is immaculate. This is the perfect chapter of this book. Chapter eight is so hilarious. This is what I want out of Bridgerton. There's seven kids. Put like, I like books and scenarios where you just take the characters you have and you just put them in a situation. What happens? What happens when you put all the Bridgertons and the Duke and Anthony on a boat to an observatory? Like what happens? And then this chapter happens and Gregory's running around and knocking people over and Simon's like, hey, Hey, boy, you're going to be liable for fucking insurance if you knock me over and I break my hip. Like, come on. Like, what what are you doing? And Hyacinth is going around later. Hyacinth is hilarious. But there's just so many fun interactions here, and I love this chapter so, so much. Favorite chapter of the book so far. Daphne has a moment, too, where she, she shows that she's not fully into the whole game yet. She makes a faux pas. I wasn't expecting Daphne to make a faux pas, but she does showing that she's a little socially vulnerable, not exactly careful with every word that she's saying. Why would she be? She's on a family outing. She's comfortable. She's hanging out with her definitely not future husband, but super attractive pretend boyfriend, the Duke. And she says, oh, I can't imagine being an only child myself. And then the Duke just like, doesn't glare her down, but through gritted teeth, like some people don't have the choice. And Daphne's like, oh no, oh no, what have I done? Like she has this internal, like, oh fuck, I fucked it. Oh, no, what have I done? The result of this is nothing because these two are going to get married and have a good time. We already know this. However, in the moment, it's nice that there's a flaw. It's nice that there's something there where it shows that we're not just going exactly from point A. Like There's at least dips in the road where someone makes small mistakes that there is a bit of a period of coming together that we're seeing here, where these are genuinely two attractive people that will have, I guess, a happy marriage, I suppose. Um, I don't know that for sure. And the show it's portrayed as pretty happy after the rain, which was the dumbest episode ever, but whatever. Um, after the rain, I think they got over their, their problems. Um, but in the book, like, we don't, these aren't perfect, these are the two, this isn't a perfect match. There's still some areas of the match where the puzzle pieces fit, but you gotta like move it around and push it down and those types of things. And so um, this is gonna work out, but I like there was a- just a small moment where Daphne slips up just a little bit and realizes it and kind of catches herself and adds a little bit of flavor to this, otherwise very hilarious and happy chapter. I put in my notes, urges, dot, 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 so many urges. I'm gonna be honest, I can't remember having... Uh, who is having urges for who I have the urge to go back and reread just so I don't forget, but we can just assume that Daphne and Simon are having many urges about each other. And that's what's happening in this chapter. Hyacinth though, after all of the urges happen has an absolutely hilarious few moments with the Duke where she comes up and she's like, yo dog, what's up? If you don't want to marry my sister, Wait for me, because I'll marry a duke. I'm Hyacinth Bridgerton, and I would love to marry a duke. Absolutely hilarious. Just going in hot. No respect for Daphne, the older sister. Just taking what's hers. She is a Bridgerton. She's not fucking around. I'm excited for her book now. Her book better be this. Her book better be 10 pages. Hyacinth, Hyacinth sees who she wants, and she goes and gets him, because she's Hyacinth Bridgerton. And that's what's happening here. It was so good, not only for this moment, because I think this will help push Daphne towards the Duke, and not not a jealous way, but like, hey, if my if my youngest sister, who's like twelve, is super awestruck by this Duke, you know, he is pretty hot, and she does have a good point. And hey, you know, you know, the best way to make sure the Duke definitely... he probably won't marry Hyacinth, but you know, the best way to make sure he doesn't marry Hyacinth if I just if I just you know not for my own self-interest, but if I just take the bullet and marry him myself, if I take the bullet and marry him myself, then he can't marry Hyacinth unless things are going to get real freaky and illegal. But I think that's, you know, I think this is a gentle push for Daphne. Like, well, Hyacinth's here, and I think, I hope so badly that in later chapters this gets a reference, like, well, I don't really want to marry the Duke, but I guess I have to, and you know, Hyacinth is, if Hyacinth likes the Duke, then everyone else has got to like the Duke. I just love this moment from Hyacinth, and I hope it... I hope it pays off later. If not, still a hilarious singular moment, but so good. So good of her to just go in and, you know, I am Hyacinth and I would like to marry the Duke one day. As we are leaving the observatory, (laughs) Gregory, Bamboozles, Anthony, and Simon, they both fall into the water. It is positively absolutely hilarious. Anthony and Simon don't seem to think so. I just love so much that... Not Like, this problem with Daphne has caused both of them to just go absolutely crazy. Like, they just can't be normal together. They gotta have these little kind of standoffs together where (laughs) where Gregory's running around and causing a ruckus, and they both have to end up in the water. This whole situation would have been totally fine if either of them have just acted like an adult, but they can't quite do it. They can't quite put it together. There's something about this whole Daphne situation, this family outing, that just, you know... Hits them at odds with each other in a way that results in both of them having this hilarious moment that I certainly found funny. Uh, This really calls back to season two of the show when Anthony and the other guy, the other guy that Sharma's fake flirting with on the boat who's going to come to India with her, can't remember his name, Lord something or other. It's very reminiscent to that for me. That's a scene I really loved in the show too. So just very, very fun that we get a similar scene here with, with Anthony and Simon. And you know, I wish this whole trip to Greenwich was in the movie or in the tv show it's it's such a perfect how is this not in the show how do you read the book the duke and i and have this trip to greenwich and not have it in the show like i'm i'm I, like I don't know what i would cut part you know i've cut part of the featherington storyline something to do with you know feather daddy being a terrible gambler and like getting poisoned or whatever cut that don't need that and let's add the trip to Greenwich because this is very very funny. It would have got us a little more time with some of the younger actors. It just overall would have been fantastic. I really really missed this. One scene that is in the show though that is almost identical and very well done in both the books and the show is Anthony and Daphne going over a glass of milk, which is hilarious because they can't warm up the milk, which is so funny, and they uh talk about the duke a little bit. And so This starts with both of them are awake Anthony's doing paperwork and he's got a job being the head of household or whatever It's a whole thing. There's papers involved and Daphne's just up out and about doing her thing And she has some questions about the Duke and she wants to ask Anthony some questions mainly why won't he marry anybody? And this is she's just curious has nothing to do with her personally We know she's not gonna marry the Duke of course because his plan is super good and so they, they're like, hey, let's get some warm milk and chat about this. Huh? And they both go like, hey, do you know how to light the milk? And one of them goes like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. How, how hard can it be to light the milk? And the second they get to the kitchens, they go, ah, cold milk, cold milk, cold milk. Do you want some cold milk, warm milk? Do we have we ever liked warm milk? you know And they kind of play it off like they they both play it off like they both know how to light the milk or light the fire to warm the milk. Um, But they both would just rather have cold milk because no one wants to admit that they don't know how to do it. At least that's how I remember that scene playing out. But also good moment to remember that these are very privileged people, right? We're reading a story about this is a story that like everything's relative to a lot of other things, right? And relative to most of the people in England. These are extraordinarily rich and privileged people. They don't have to know how to use the fire. They don't have to know how to use fire to do anything. Everyone warms their food where they warm their milk. They cook the food. They serve the food. These people, Daphne included, Eloise included, Hyacinth, Gregory, the Duke, Anthony, Mama Bridgerton, all of them, they're going to complain about their situation sometimes. It's just good to remember that no matter how hard that they think they have it, they don't have to warm their own fucking milk. And it's just a good point for us all to remember that as we move forward, because uh, you know, if Eloise gets an arc, anything like what she gets in the show, part of my small criticism of Eloise is like she, she, her. Again, it's all relative. Her complaints in the show are relative to her situation, but relative to everyone else's, her situation is still remarkably better. Like so much better than your average British woman's. That even, her concerns are just relative to other rich privileged women right because everyone's concerns are relative to themselves my concerns about my life are relative to other kind of middle-class white dudes right like that's those are kind of where my day-to-day concerns lie because that's the reality i live in that's what's real to me every day and so i it's just helpful for us to mark this point right here this is a very funny scene but it is good to remember we are reading a story about very very rich and privileged people which may or may not um adjudicate or be a uh, a part of our reasoning as to why we like or dislike some of their actions in the future. And I think that's such a great way to end chapter 8. Again, not my longest deep dive episode either. I'm sure there'll be longer ones in the future. However, I just love both these chapters. Next time I promise I will read and record right away. I the, I didn't plan on being sick right after I read this and I th- should have reread it, but that's okay. I hope y'all enjoyed the deep dive anyway. If you did, make sure to go and review the podcast spotify apple they got all the the places where you can review things make sure to hit up the facebook group the patreon whatever you know just go to the show notes and whatever interests you we got a facebook group twitter patreon all kinds of things we got other deep dives i deep dived into hamilton with my friend connor fantastic rachel and i are deep diving into harry potter if you want to check that out if you're on the patreon you're getting early access episodes to those as well so if that's something that interests you go for that otherwise i think that's it that's all i can't wait to continue with chapters 9 and 10 in the next one feel free to send me your email send me the tweets post on the facebook group how you feeling about the deep dive thank you so much for listening and i will see you in the next one